0: While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing them, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Oswald Chambers once noted, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else, whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Now that is perhaps a bit of an overstatement, but I like the way that he thinks, because it is fear more than anything else that so often keeps us from trusting God and saying yes to a larger life. I mean, right? Consider the fear Abram must have felt when told to leave the land of Haran in his late 70s, or how afraid Moses must have been to confront Pharaoh, or how scared you were. When you look back at one of those moments in life when you displayed real courage and chose to be brave, you felt fear, but you moved forward anyway. Jim Hollis is a Jungian analyst and a very thoughtful writer, and on the topic he writes this, every morning we wake up to find two gremlins at the foot of our bed. One is fear and the other lethargy. The gremlin of fear whispers, the world is big and you are not. And so you better play it safe and avoid all risk. Meanwhile, the gremlin of lethargy is there at the bed with his own message, which is chill out, Have some chocolate, turn on the television, sit back and relax. There's always tomorrow to tackle something larger. Of course, what Hollis then goes on to note is that both gremlins are really just two manifestations of the same underlying reality, which is fear. And it's this fear, he says, that cripples the spiritual life. Now, I say this only to frame today's gospel reading from Mark, where we hear from Jesus the most common commandment in all of Scripture, which, by the way, has nothing to do with money, or sex, or honesty, or even serving the poor, but is actually captured in four simple words, do not be afraid. And what I would like to suggest this morning is that today's gospel is really all about what it means for us to increase our capacity to obey this basic biblical commandment, to live our life with less fear, or if nothing else, to learn to show more courage in the face of our fear. Because first, we have Jairus a leader of the synagogue whose daughter is about to die. And understandably, he is incredibly scared. And so he begs Jesus to come heal his daughter. Jesus agrees, but then this other woman with a chronic blood condition sneaks up and touches Jesus in the hope of being healed. But then, she falls at Jesus' feet, Mark tells us, trembling with fear. Meanwhile, Jairus has to be freaking out and getting very impatient. After all, his daughter is about to die. And that is when the one thing that he fears the most happens. Your daughter is dead. Said the messengers, Why bother the teacher anymore? And so, really quickly, I just want to pause. I think we know this woman's fear. I think we know Jairus's fear. I think we know the fear of being a human being because each one of us has our moments, our moments when we are terrified. ...that God isn't big enough to take care of us... ...or moments when we're frightened that Jesus seems to be lagging... ...and our deepest fear will come true. And then, of course, there's just the broader fear that comes with being a human being. Do I have enough money to retire? Will my relationship with blank ever be healed? Is the bump malignant or is it benign? Will I ever get the love or the respect that I deserve? Will the grief I feel over my loved one's death ever heal? These and a million more are the questions that we ask as human beings, and we ask them from a place of vulnerability and fear. Well, in the midst of Jairus's fear, and in the midst of our fear as well, comes the command of the living God, do not fear, only believe. In other words, Jesus' message to Jairus is to be strong, trust me, I actually know what I'm doing here, I'm not in a hurry, I'm not anxious And I don't want you to be anxious or to live your life crippled by fear either. And so as we think about today's gospel story and how to navigate whatever fear or anxiety may be present in our life, here's what I'd like to offer you today, which I extrapolate from today's gospel. And it's sort of a threefold assignment. Number one... Enter with Jesus into his death. Number two, from that place, adopt a posture of complete trust and patience. And then three, in God's time, let Jesus take you by the hand and raise you to something new. And so first, we are to enter into Jesus' death, symbolically speaking, because what this gospel ultimately points to is the cross. I mean, right, the crowd is pressing in on Jesus, a woman touches him, Jesus has a sensation of weakness, of draining, and Jesus realizes that power has gone out from him, In other words, Jesus lost power so that she could gain it. Jesus suffered a moment of weakness so that she, in fact, could be healed. And friends, that is what the cross of our Lord is all about. As Isaiah put it so long ago, by his stripes we are healed. And this, by the way, is what is so wonderful about Mark's gospel. There's all these details that seem so strange on the surface, but they're always meant to point symbolically to the cross of Jesus, to the death of Jesus, which is a death that you and I have entered into by faith and our baptism. And like this woman, through that death, we too have been healed. Jesus lost power so that we could then find new power, new power to live our life with less fear, and new power to surrender our life to God and to trust in God's goodness in the midst of that fear. And that brings me to the second point, which is that we who share in Christ's death are asked to surrender our lives to Jesus in a posture of trust and patience. You see, Jairus came to Jesus, very understandably, thinking that there was nothing more urgent than his request. But he had to wait. And you may recall from last, last week's gospel, it was about Jesus calming the storm, but Remember, Jesus did not do that immediately, but for a while, he just slept on a cushion in the boat. And what this means is that Jesus's grace and Jesus's love are completely compatible with us going through storms from time to time, and it's in the storm where the act of surrender becomes so important. Because you may have noticed this in your own life, but Jesus will not be hurried when it comes to our urgent demand that he end the storm, whatever the storm means to you. And if we try and impose our schedule and our solution and our timing onto jesus we're always going to struggle to feel god's love and so we who share in christ's death we are asked to surrender to god in a posture of trust and patience and by the way this is not work that you can do or should do alone this is the work of a community and that's why we have the church It's why the body of Christ is so important that it is together in community that we learn the art of letting go. And then third, and this is the most important of all the three points, we have to see Jesus's tenderness displayed in today's gospel. It is a tenderness ...that always points to resurrection and to something new that God is doing in our life and in this world. After healing this woman in today's gospel, Jesus looks at her with complete tenderness. And he calls her daughter, which at the time would have conferred so much dignity... To this woman who had not been seen, who had been overlooked for 12 years of her life. Or think about when Jesus sits down beside the girl after he heals her. He takes her by the hand and he says, Talitha, which is a term of endearment. A best translation of that would be honey or maybe sweetie. And so what Jesus is doing here with this girl is something her parents might do on any morning something you've done with your kids at one point in your life. He sits, he takes her by the hand, and he says, Honey, it's it's time to get up. You see, unlike the woman who fell at Jesus' feet in a state of fear and trembling, Mark is asking us to cling to a Messiah, to surrender to a Lord who is tender. And who takes us by the hand, even in seemingly dark times, and calls us daughter, calls us son, and who leads us beside still waters into something new if we can just trust and be patient. And so I want to end my sermon this morning by. I'm sharing my favorite verse in all of Scripture. I was reminded of this verse this week when uh, a friend, uh, someone at the church, asked me, uh, whenever I thought of Jesus' teachings, uh, what came to mind first? And I didn't have to think about it. Whenever uh, I think of Jesus' words, the first thing that always comes to mind for me is Luke chapter 12, verse 32, where Jesus looks at his frightened disciples and says, Fear not, little flock, it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. My only request, or or your homework for the week, for those of you who really like homework, is to just reflect on that verse and what it means for your life. It is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Because as C.S. Lewis once said when asked about um, religious education for good church-going adults like yourself, he said, most Christians at some point in their life do not need to be instructed. What they need is to be reminded. And so today, we can all be reminded that God really is big enough to take care of us. Today, we can be reminded that we really are safe in God's hands. And today, we can all be reminded of that wonderful promise we have in today's reading from Lamentations, where it says, "...the Lord will not reject forever." Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for God does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. And then finally, in light of all these truths, I think we can all be reminded of God's most frequent command to his frightened children. Do not be afraid.